I'm so glad to be here. I, I hope you're glad to be here. Amen. Yes. Um, I, 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 as I'm standing here, I'm, I'm still struggling on, on what to share with you. Um, because some thought came in my mind that maybe I should share something a little bit different. But um, you can pray for me if you want. <laughs> Uh, one of the things I think that, and, and this is once again uh, a couple of sermonettes. Uh, I, I like the sermonette thing to tell you the truth because I can talk to you about more things. And I need to talk to you about more things. Uh, you know, people hear 150 messages out there during the week, and then they come here and they hear one message. Uh, you know, that doesn't compare very well. So maybe instead of one big message, I, I can share two messages about two different things. So, well, at least we have two messages instead of one. We're 100% better. So that's pretty good. Uh, but one of the things that I, I have discovered about Christians is that we don't have really a good understanding of, and we can't, talk a lot about it. I did a series about a year ago. I did a series about the church. And, uh, and I just want to bring to your attention again that without the church, you are insufficient. By yourself, God hasn't designed it that way. Amen. Okay? You are part of the body of Christ. I have never seen an arm walk by itself in the mall. You're part of a body. So, and it speaks primarily here about the local body. So, you're part of this church, or you're part of another church. Marisa's part of a church, and Frank and uh, Cindy are part of a church in, in San Antonio. They're part of a church. But it is, it is the church. Uh, all the epistles were written not to John Jacobson, but they were written to the church in Rome. They were ch- the church in Corinth and Galatia and so on and so forth. They were written to the church. And yes, it applies also to individual Christians, but that individual Christian is part of a church, part of the body of Christ. And God has designed it that way so that uh, we could thrive. Christians could thrive uh, just like your forearm thrives when it's with the body. If it's by itself, no more thriving. I'm sorry. It basically dies. So this is the thing that I find with the church. And I'm not saying, don't misunderstand me, I don't want people to be here every time the church doors are open. Matter of fact, I'm against that. Uh, because sometimes people, they... They think that serving God is going to the church six times a week and, and they neglect their own family. That's not part of God's plan, to neglect your family. So you need to figure out how it works for you that you can take care of your family and be part of a body uh, and be involved in, in, in the body. Uh, your, your, your organs are involved in your body. They are not just hanging, chilling, hanging loose, <laughs> 
I think I won't get involved today. <laughs> well, my heart was talking like that a few years ago. And we dealt with that heart pronto and got it some, we opened it up and talked to it a little bit, sewed up a few things, sewed it back up, and that heart was good to go. Amen. Yes. So I just want to encourage you to, to come to an understanding. And when you read the scriptures, to see that so much of it is about the church. And so you can disregard it if you want to, but uh, uh, I, I just want you to, to, to know that, that this is so. Um, <clears throat> so, a year ago, then I gave you a, a definition of the church, and I told you that my definition, it's just a working definition, you probably have a better one, <clears throat> is a group of baptized believers flawed to be sure, that grow together in the love of Christ. A group of baptized believers, flawed to be sure, that grow together in the love of Christ. The reason why I wanted to put the word flawed in there is because, why? We are flawed. (laughs) But, see, in the church, we're funny people. In the church... I want Evan to be perfect. Well, I allow myself to be imperfect. But he, if, I, if his imperfections show up, I get upset with him. Or I want the pastor to talk to him or something or whatever. Um, so, uh, this, this, is, this is, we have to be careful with that. Because I believe, and, and, and that is my, my, my main message is, is about this, that God gives us opportunities for us to grow. Glenn, he's a tennis player. He's an athlete. Uh, and how many hours in your heyday, how many hours did you, as a junior did you practice in the summertime? Eight hours a day. Excuse me. If you want to be good, practice eight hours a day. Uh, now, you don't have to practice eight hours a day. He just did eight hours a day. I did eight hours a day as a junior growing up. But you can do maybe with four hours a day, it'd be fine. But you cannot do 15 minutes a day and think that you're going to be a player. If you practice 15 minutes a day and you think you're going to be good, I call it dreaming. That's what I tell my students. Hey, what do you want to do with your game? Well... I want to be ranked in the super championship in, in the state of Texas. And you're 13 years old, okay. Well, and at what age do you want to get this ranking? Well, when I'm 16. No, it's not going to happen at 16. I don't want to discourage you. It's not, maybe 18 if you work like crazy. And then I still can't promise you that you're going to get that ranking. Right? Am I telling you the truth? Amen. So, uh... So in our imperfections, I believe that God is giving us opportunity to grow. Because as I learn to deal with the imperfections of my brother, then I'm growing more to love like Jesus loves. 
and that is where I'm going. So my main message is the discipline of the Lord. But I'm going to base it on the idea that Jesus says that we should love each other like he loved us. So um, let us look at uh, John, the 13th chapter. John, the 13th chapter. And verses 34 and, and 35. Excuse me one second. Got my little shiner over here, my light, my laser. Um, so, would you, would you say that this is a fair statement? That for a serious Christian... Their goal should be to love like Jesus loves. Is that a fair statement? I mean, that is the statement of the Christian life. That we should love like Jesus loves. Matter of fact, it's not only what Jesus desires from us. He says, that is your proof of discipleship. That is how other people know that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. When we love each other like Christ loved us. So let's look at that for just a little bit. A new commandment. Uh, so I'm not going to teach on this. We're just going to highlight some things because otherwise we get stuck. A new commandment I give to you. Let you so this is a new commandment. This, this, this commandment hadn't been given before. The commandments that have been given before is love your neighbor as yourself. This is a new commandment. This is completely different than the old commandment. The old commandment was sort of like a 50-50 sort of a deal. But the way that Jesus loved us was not 50-50, was 100%. Amen. A new commandment I give unto you. That you love one another as I have loved you. So, he makes it very clear, this is not search, this is not just some sort of a, a lovey-dovey thing. It's not just a, oh, I love you. This is, Serious business that we would love like Jesus loves. Well, do you want to love like Jesus loves? That is my greatest desire, brothers and sisters. And desires, I have other greatest desires that go along those lines. My deepest desire that I might love people like Jesus loves. That can get you in trouble sometimes. But for the most part, when you love people like that, they respond. And, and, and the way I see it in the kingdom of God, this is my job. This is my job that I promote and expand the kingdom of God, obviously, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not, not, not like that can be done by yourself. But that's my job. That's my mandate before God. And he says... And he makes a second point over here. By this, what is this, this thing? This love that Jesus loves with. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have this kind of love for one another. So, it is at once a command, a new commandment. And it is a, a proof that you are his disciples. And it is also an evangelistic tool that God has given the church. That if we love one another, other people will take notice. 
that you're disciples of Jesus Christ. Just like they took notice of the early disciples that had been with Jesus. Uneducated folks. But they recognized that they had been with Jesus because of the difference that there was in their lives. Uh, so, now, <clears throat> then, what, what we need to be sure of is that, uh, that we take God up on the idea of loving like Jesus loves. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, that is easier said than done. But where I'm looking from is that this is what God wants me to do. Do you have the idea that God wants people to know about Jesus? So that when we love each other with that kind of a love, people will know about Jesus. They will know that you are his disciples. Somehow. By asking you questions, by asking other people questions, by reading about you, by hearing about you, whatever the situation might be. They will find out somehow that you're disciples of Jesus Christ. And so, God is on our side to love like that. We could never do it by ourselves. But God is on our side that we should love like that. And he doesn't want us to be that 13-year-old kid that just started playing tennis. He wants us to be highly ranked. He wants us to be really, really, really good at this. That's what he said. To love like Jesus, you have to be really, really, really good at this. And, so Glenn, you help us out over here. Um, you, have, you have a student, and he's coming along just fine, and then he's starting to compete. And then, for him to progress, what kind of things does he have to do? Practice, compete on a higher level, right? You compete against the same little guys that you, you compete against, you're not getting any better. You have to get some better competition to, to hike up your game. Uh, and so, God gives us opportunity like that. He doesn't want us to just... Well, Sister Nelda, she's so sweet. I love Sister Nelda. <laughs> Big deal! She's a lovable lady. So God doesn't want us to just to love the lovable ones. He's throwing some people in our path, sometimes that are not so lovable. And then we complain. We balk at that. We run away from it. If they're in our church, we ask them to leave. Or else we leave. Never mind if they're in our Sunday school class, then <laughs> I'm out of there, baby. All along, God is providing you a way to love in a deeper way. Can we see that? That, that is, it, it flabbergasts me sometimes. And, and you know, you may remember I'm, I'm a ponderer. I, I think about things. Uh, and so, you know, Sometimes I'm, think, I'm thinking, hey, I'm doing pretty good. 
then God brings somebody in your life to expose you, see? God is so faithful to, to his children. He brings somebody in your life to expose you. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that this was in my heart, that I, that I could actually look at a person in such dislike and such, you know, dislove that I haven't advanced as much as I thought. My 13-year-old, who's now 18 years old, he's going into some good competition, and okay, he's made progress, and he's beating some people. Then now comes the real competition, and he got smoked. Oh, I'm not as good as I thought I was. And this is true so much with, with our Christian walk, that we... We think we do pretty good. And God is going to give us opportunity to not only to expose us, but also to improve our game. Not only to expose us where we are, but so to expose us so that we can uh, look to get better and recognize the opportunities that God gives us. Yes. As a, as a former, <laughs> former with capital letters, Former athlete and coach, and this is crystal clear to me. Crystal clear. And so, in coaching and teaching athletes, I have discovered that the ones that enjoy the process do on average better than the ones that are just looking for the result. The result is all beautiful and wonderful. But the ones that enjoy the process, they do better because they usually work harder. The other ones, you have to just sell them on it. You have to uh, discipline them. You have to run them extra hard, like pulling teeth. And then sometimes... They, they, they buy into it a little bit. The results are getting better. And then, man, that makes it a little bit easier. But the process. So you've seen people that won things. Uh, football teams, basketball teams. And they hold the trophy. And they're rejoicing for winning the thing. But then you hear comments like this. We worked so hard. We are especially glad for this win because we had so many things, so many obstacles to overcome and so many issues to solve in our team. And yet the guys or the girls, they hung together and look at us now. We got the trophy. I have never seen anybody that held a trophy that was said. They're always rejoicing. Now, uh, I, I really admired my, my grandson. He's 15 years old. Freshman in high school. And so, not too long ago, they were here with us, and he wants to go to the natatorium because he's a swimmer and, uh, and wants to train. So, 
grandpa takes him over there. I, I love to take him over there. Love to be there, and I just watch him swim for two hours. But he writes his own set of what he's going to swim. So many laps of this and so many laps of this, and it's almost a consistent with very few little breaks. He goes for two hours. I couldn't go for two minutes in a pool. Two hours. And this is not like... He goes after it. My goodness, and he sprints, and he goes fast, and he's the long distance, and, and, and all of that stuff. I mean, he's 15 years old. And, and, and in the next lane, there's a lady working with two or three lanes of other swimmers. And she says, young man, are you in college? He's a freshman in high school. And as a freshman in high school, he won state in Oklahoma. Now, that's, I'm not saying this to brag on my, my grandson, although I brag a little bit, that's okay. <laughs> but just to show an example that he's putting in the work. He is overcoming the resistance. He's overcoming the obstacles, and he trains and trains and trains, and there is results. And apparently, he enjoys the process. There was no coach yelling and screaming at him. Opa was just watching him. Encouraging him. Uh, and, and, and this is what I'm doing right now. I'm trying to encourage you to swim. To ride a set and go do it in the spiritual realm. So, uh, two hours. So I'm thinking to myself, you, you don't do these things without endurance. There's an endurance involved in walking this Christian life. If you really want to uh, go at places with God at a, at a higher level, at a, at, at a higher plane of loving one another. Can I give you another scripture? James 1.12. I have to be careful because uh, I like to finish this thing. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to try. James 1.12. It's, it's on the screen, I believe. So, 1.12, it goes like this. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So, can I ask you a question? How many blessings do you see in that verse? Anybody? Just blurt it out. Four. Okay. You want to name them? Uh-huh. Okay, okay. Is that, is that fair? Okay. So, uh, so here he says, you're blessed, you're enduring. So, here we see that, according to James, there is a blessing in the process, in the enduring. 
We don't look at enduring like that. We look at enduring as it's a pain. No? And I watch my grandson, and he swims and swims and swims. And I'm thinking, man, this guy's enjoying this thing. He's enjoying the process. We have many athletes that just want the reward. They don't want to put in the time. And so, like I said, they're dreaming. But I find this to be true also in the Christian walk. We want to love like Jesus loves, but when he gives us opportunity for greater love to develop, we run away from it. Am I telling the truth? Okay. Okay. (laughs) If if you are challenging me, then I'll bring in a few people to you. Next service. Next Sunday school class. And see how long you last. And how fast you'll, you'll bail out. And run away. And I have discovered that many times, I told you a story about this lady that was in the tennis world years and years and years ago. And when she showed up, all the other ladies, they went away. Nobody liked her. I didn't like her either. (laughs) I'll tell you the truth. I, I was a young Christian maybe at that time. I didn't like her either. Nobody liked her. But then... One day, she started her car in the garage and didn't open the the deal. And she killed herself. Right there, the Lord spoke to me. I have to be careful if I get emotional. Right there, the Lord spoke to me and says, you'll never do that again. When people are like that, they are looking for someone to love them. You need to be one of those. Amen. Don't run away from that. Somebody called me not too long ago over the phone. And I, you know, I answer my phone. If I'm there, I'm answering my phone. I don't have 15 secretaries to answer my phone and then perchance, you know, if they're nice or kind or whatever, they get through to me. I answer my phone. If I can't, I can't. If I'm on tennis court or whatever and I don't hear it, sorry, but as soon as I can, I will call you back. You can count on that. And so I just happened to answer that phone that time and this person says, oh, you're not running away from your sheep. You're answering the phone. I say, shepherds don't run away from their sheep. They run to them. So I I just want to give you a little bit of perspective. That when people are around you, that you not necessarily like that much. That's sort of okay. 
But concerning loving, you don't have an option. We must love them. We must love them. So, okay, so there's a blessing in the process. Blessed are the ones that endure. For when they have been approved, the word approved over here has has the meaning, I was going to say the connotation, no, it's stronger than that, the meaning that they have been tested and that they passed the test. So God brought me some, some person that was very difficult to love. Uh, this is hypothetical, okay? <laughs> I'm not bragging on myself. This is just hypothetical. <laughs> uh, this is the one he's talking about. They have been tested, and they passed the test. Approved. That's what it means over here. You can look it up in the Greek. And he will receive the crown of life. And so, the word crown in the Greek, there are two words for that. One of one is diadem. Diadem has to do with a royal crown. This is Stephanos. Stephanos has to do with the winner's crown. And he says that the one that has been tested and endured and was a blessing to him just to endure. But besides that blessing, he'll get also on top of that the ones that, the, the doll man, he gets another uh, uh, blessing, the crown of life. Amen. That is the winner's crown. He gets to hold that trophy or whatever crown, whatever way you want to look at it. And because God is very pleased that when we get tested, that we endure so as to pass the test. We're not bailing out. We're not throwing the towel. We're not... Sick and tired of it. We're just rejoicing for the opportunity to grow in loving in a deeper way. Um, so, let me see where I'm going. Let us, let us look at Hebrews. twelve five through 11. We're just, we're just going to read and sort of get a few ideas out of it. It is too long to teach on it. It doesn't make any sense because that is not part of, that is not really where I'm going. But I just want to glean some thoughts from it so that we can make the point. Um, so how can God's people love more like Jesus loves? God is, is going to train us. God is going to give us training. And if we hang tough, we'll pass the test. If we don't hang tough, we'll fail the test. Just that simple. This has nothing to do with salvation. We, 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 you're, you're brothers and sisters. You're born again. God gives you opportunity. If you don't pass the test, he'll give you more opportunity. He's faithful to, you, to us. He wants us to love like his son loves. So if you fail the first test, he gives you another test. Don't think he can run away from it. (laughs) He loves his children way too much. Way too much. He is on board with us loving like Jesus loves. 
He wants it. And he'll bring whatever to bear for us to get there. Thank you, Father. Yes. And so, so he, here we go. <clears throat> Have you forgotten the exhortation? <clears throat> exhortation is another word of, for encouragement. Nice encouragement. Check it out. Which speaks to us as two sons. That is to say, sons and daughters, right? The, 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 the biblical text speaks about sons or his or he, but both brothers and sisters are included. Yes? This is nothing strange? Okay. <clears throat> My son, do not despise the chastening or the discipline of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked of him. So, in these verses, I like for us to look at God both as God and as coach a little bit. Okay? God is our coach, yes? But he's bigger than that. He's, he's God. But he also coaches us. Is that fair to say? Oh, that's what the Holy Spirit's job is. It's to coach us. So, uh, so he says, hey, listen. <laughs> Have you forgotten the encouragement that God is going to discipline you? Nice encouragement, huh? Because if you see a little bit like God sees, it is encouragement. Right? I, I, I didn't teach Glenn a whole lot because he was training on his, on his own a little bit. But if I was training Glenn, he was a brilliant athlete. He was a beautiful athlete. Uh, fast and strong and talented. And I would have trained him harder. Because I love him. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> no nonsense with him. <laughs> uh, so, train him harder. More pain. Pain is not always a bad thing. In discipline, there is almost always pain. No? Or, let's say, at least inconvenience. <laughs> uh, but he says, don't be discouraged. So when I, if I would have driven Glenn harder and he got discouraged, I'm thinking, ah, maybe he's not, he's not the material. Maybe he's not the material. If I'm driving him harder and he goes and he says, thank you, coach. Thank you, coach. Ah, he's good material. We can work with him. He's going he's gonna to compete hard. Uh, okay, verse 6. I'll come back to the discipline thing here after a while. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Matter of fact, as we're reading on, you realize that his chastening is a sign of his love. So we, we, we think otherwise. We think Oh, what, what is he doing to me? <laughs> no, he's doing something for you. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons whom he loves very much. 
For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Verse 7. We'll read through it and then we'll, we'll, we'll get a few thoughts out of it. Uh, yes, I just read 7 also. But if you are without chastening, of whom all have been partakers, have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. He's saying that every real son of his, he will discipline because he loves them. He won't, he won't leave them in the lurch. He loves them, and he's going to discipline them. If he's not disciplining you, he says, I'm treating you like, like you're not my son. Like I said, I'm not going to stay over here. Verse 9. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and, and live? And then he goes to say, verse 10, for they indeed for a few days, for a few days, chastened us as seemed best to them. It might not have been best for you at all. But it just seemed best to them. I mean, before you came a, became a father, there were no courses on fatherhood. You didn't go to college for fatherhood. So you just tried the best you could. And for some, it was not good at all. But this father from above, he knows exactly what he's doing. And yet, in the gym, we trust the coach who tells us how much weight to push. Oh, that hurt my back. But the coach doesn't know. He just knows a little bit what he has learned from other people, what he has read from other people, a little bit of experience that he has, but it's insufficient. But our Father in heaven, he knows exactly what we need. How much to wait to put on us so that we get stronger and we don't hurt ourselves. And yet, we are more compliant to the coach in the gym. It seems like. Than to our heavenly coach. Uh, for they indeed for a few days chasing us after uh, us as seemed best to them. But he, for our profit, there was no doubt about it. It was going to be profitable to us that we may be partakers of his holiness. That's where, he wants, that's, where he, that's where he's taking us with his discipline. Uh, and then verse 11 says, Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. When I would have busted Glenn and ran him like crazy, and he puked for the training that I gave him, then when he, when he did, I would say, Good boy, Glenn, good boy. Did you tell me you want to be a good player? Hey, Lord, you know, I know that you just threw up, but hey, give me a few more, give me a few more laps. <laughs> it seems, it seems like this is not joyous. It seems like this is a pain. But in the end, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are trained by it. 
So God gives us opportunity. He's training us. He gives us opportunity to learn to love in a greater way. And yet, we've been bailing out so many times. We just let it go. Uh, I'll, I'll go. I don't want to deal with it. Um, so, so, we need to talk a little bit about a couple of ideas. That is, one, many people take this passage and understand that God is punishing us. This is not true. You need to get it right. Because otherwise, in God's dealing with you, you will misinterpret what he's doing. If you think that he's punishing you. So, this is not punishment. The punishment Jesus took for us 2,000 years ago on the cross. Punishment means, actually, punishment is to satisfy justice. You did wrong, justice must be satisfied, boom, you get punished. But Jesus took our punishment on him so that we didn't get any punishment. So the discipline, though, the difference between discipline and, and, and punishment is that punishment is to satisfy justice and discipline is for maturity's sake so that someone can grow. That is what he's doing over here. He's disciplining us so that we can grow. Now, can I just give you an example of, there was a, a young woman that played tennis for me when I was coaching the women's tennis team here at A&M Corpus Christi. Um, she, uh, we were just building a team. So she wasn't that good yet. So I told her, I will take you on the team, but I have no money for you. I don't have a scholarship for you. But I'm going to work with you, and when I have some money, I will give you some money. So anyways, so she came on the team. Uh, she was... She was not even expected that she was going to graduate from high school. She was a little bit of a wild horse. Not in a, in a negative sense, in, in, in promiscuity or, or these type of things. But she was all over the place a little bit. Uh, let alone when she got hungry in the car. Oh, coach, coach. We saw a subway over there. Oh. Uh, and she, she took care of her body. She was a little bit taller than I am. And, but she took good care of her body, was a, was a good athlete, was well-known, she was smart, but people had not supported her. Her father was a drunk. She came to play, and I was tough on her. Tough. Not because I was mean, because I loved her, and I saw a lot of potential in her. Matter of fact, some of the other players told her, why are you taking this from coach? Well, he cares for me. She rode. We, we would go rent a van, drive like an idiot, you know, because I didn't have an assistant at that time. Drive to El Paso. And uh, she always set 
to my right. Always, every trip. And she never fell asleep. Always watched out. Every once in a while, I would tease her and I would close my right eye. She was on that. I closed my right eye. Oh, coach, 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 coach. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just teasing you. I'm just teasing you. <laughs> um, what kind of lesson was that, Pastor? <laughs> I don't know. I was just teasing her. I was just teasing her. I loved her. I loved her like a daughter. Because she was special to me. I wanted to show her and I want to show the world that if you work with somebody, I don't care what they say, and you love somebody and you give them opportunity, they can rise to the occasion. And so, where am I going with this? Um, she had also had some poor coaching in high school, because the coach always wanted her to win. Well, that is not my, 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 my point of view. It's not about winning to me. It's about the, the integrity of doing your best. No excuses best. You leave it all on the court. So, like I said, I didn't have an assistant, so there were six, six girls playing singles. So I'd run from one, run from one to, to the next. Hey, how are you doing over here? How are you doing? Oh, coach, I'm losing 4-1. Kristen! Oh, sorry, I gave you a name. <laughs> You're not losing. You're just down in the score. You can still win. This is not a problem. The first one to six wins the set. And you have to win two of those. She always had, because if, if, if in high school, if the coach came to her court and she was 4-1 down, He'd ream her out. If she does her best, there's no room for reaming her out. She's doing her best. I say, Kristen, you're doing your best. Keep playing hard. Don't worry about the score too much. You play hard, and the score will take care of itself. Um, Anyways, so um, she would, because of... You know, coaching, coaches have a lot of influence on people, right? You work with people under high-stress circumstances, emotional circumstances. So she had bad habits, and she starts slouching. And I would, you know, I couldn't run to the court over there. I'd be too late. I'd say, Kristen, walk like a champion. Come on, walk like a champion. And she was very interested in politics. So ultimately, then she went to Washington, and, and she told me, Coach, you won't believe that idea of walking like a champion here in the halls of, of Washington, D.C., made all the difference in the world for me. We're still in touch till today. This is many, many, many years ago. And so then ultimately, I, there's too, too much story to tell you, but ultimately then she wanted to go to American University. So in her senior year, she went to American University. Nothing under the table, nothing, uh, uh, no secrecy, no nothing. And I, I, I promoted that. I wrote letters of, uh, of recommendations for her. I love Kristen, and I want her to go and develop. She went to American uni- uh, University, and where's that, Washington, D.C., or uh, someplace there, and then finished her last year. She could play the last year because uh, it was not a conference, the same conference situation, so that she could, she could play. It wasn't in the same conference. She would have to sit out a year. So, and I told her, I say, her father wanted her to quit tennis because 
I didn't have money for her, but ultimately I gave her plenty, uh, uh, not enough for, for a four-year scholarship, but I, I get, I, I, to my satisfaction, I gave some uh, uh, that, that, that was good. And, but if I don't want to quit, I say, Kristen, don't quit. Because in Washington, D.C., you, you, you have a, an internship with a senator. He's going to, to take you to play tennis with ex-presidents and senators, and you play a good game of tennis, you're going to open all kinds of doors for you. I also told her, say, Kristen, when the senator takes you to a party, a banquet of some sort, you go to the restaurant and you get a couple of hamburgers first before you go because you're going to embarrass yourself. Because Kristen, you know, when she was hungry and she saw the food, she just wants to eat. (laughs) I said, no, no, Kristen, you get a couple of hamburgers and then go to the banquet. So... Tough on her. Tough on her. She graduated from American University and got her master's at Yale. Somebody was not supposed to graduate from high school. And truly, she played tennis with these senators, and she was an intern with the senator, so he played a little tennis, and so there she was the star. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, Kristen. So... When it comes to discipline, there is three things about discipline that I, I, I want to share with you. And then, then, then I think we'll, we'll sort of stop. Um, one, about, one thing about this discipline is that you're trying to get somebody back on the right track. Are you following me? Somebody had gone off track a little bit. And you're going to try to get them back on the right track. The other part of discipline is, and, and this is why I have such a hard time with the punishment thing, because if Kristen thought for a moment that I didn't love her, she would have received it completely different, my toughness, uh, than that she knows she know that I, I, I love her and I care for her. I want the best for her. And so God wants the best for us. So if we think that he's, He's disciplining us, and we think he's punishing us. There's a whole different interpretation as to what is God is doing to us versus what God is doing for us. Amen. And so we need to see, this is what we need, to, what we need to get and understand in the scriptures, is that God is not necessarily always giving us a kissy kissy. Sometimes he disciplines us so that we can, if we were off track, we can get back on track. But the second reason is so that we can not, not get so easily injured in athletic terms. Right, Glenn? You, 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 you're busted good, and, and, and you're going to last. You're not going to get injured so easily. You're not going to cramp up so easily. So I find that Christians, often when they get disciplined, they cramp up. They give up. Or <laughs> roll over. Yes. And then thirdly, the thing about discipline is that somebody can fulfill their potential. This is what God has for us. He wants us to love like Jesus loves. He wants to fulfill that potential so that we as his ambassadors can love like he loves all over the place. 
Not only individually, but also as a group, as a church. Love. Like he loves. I, I'm, I'm closing. I'm getting close to closing. I'm, I'm uh, about there. All these three aspects uh, 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 apply to Christian. All these three aspects. That, okay, like I told you, she was a little bit like a wild horse. And I say this in a very complimentary way. I love wild horses. But, but they are a little bit wild. So she wasn't really disciplined at first. So sometimes I had to uh, get on her because she was a bit, maybe a bit late for practice or something like that. But certainly, I don't, didn't want her to get injured. She was tall, right? And so if, the, if your muscles, if you're short and you have to run, you have a lot less muscle to deal with than when you're tall and you have to run. So when you have to run, and tennis is all, is all anaerobic. It's all short distance, pump, 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 pump. So it is not like chilling for a mile. It is short and fast. So it is easy to get injured, and you're changing directions almost all the time. So I, I wanted her, I, I, to discipline her, to do her running and her exercises so that she wouldn't get easily injured. Because an injury means what? Sometimes six weeks. And then so not only can she not play, she gets behind, and, and the team gets behind. So this was not, was not right for the team either if she was going to get injured. And then thirdly, I wanted her to fulfill her potential fully, not only in the tennis arena, but in life. So she's now a businesswoman of the highest degree. Ran for secretary of state in one of the Dakotas. I always get confused, north and south, whatever. Uh, same thing with Carolina, south and north. So did they, okay. <laughs> Makes me feel better, yes. And, and, and so, uh, 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 so Kristen is, is on her way to do well. But this is in a secular way speaking. She's a beautiful Christian woman, but I'm just giving you some secular uh, examples just to compare, just to have a comparison. Um, and then sometimes, and, and, and this is pretty much it. Sometimes I would play with my students in junior tennis eh, if the tournament is not very much advanced. So in, in the early rounds, even if it's a high-ranking uh, tournament, in the early rounds, players just call their own calls in and out, right? And so it's an honor system. And, but you can be sure that when the points are important, sometimes people cheat, right? Um, it's not right. So I would do, on purpose, I would play a game with my students called the unfair game. That I had two guys play or two girls play each other, and I made the calls. And then sometimes I would call on a ball that was in on purpose out. Oh, coach, what is this? How do you deal with it? It is not that I was promoting cheating. I wanted my students to to be tough enough that when they were cheated, they were going to handle it and not blow a gasket and, and lose the match and just basically give it up. I've seen plenty of those. Plenty of those. Handle it. Stay out there and handle it. I need you to be tough. And I think that God is often telling us, Oh, I know he says it a little bit nicer than, than I did, but 
He says, stay and handle it. I'm going to glorify myself in this situation. And I can tell you, I've seen it countless times, not only in my life, when I wanted to run. And he says, no, you're not running. You're staying right over here. It was not a fair situation. It was an unfair situation. But when he says, you stay, I stayed. God knows best. And as things always turned out, here I am. I'm telling you, I'm one happy dude. I'm one happy dude. Has any of you ever seen me unhappy? It's God doing some things. And I want to be part of it. I want to be part of it. Whatever he has for me, I want it. So I'm hanging out with him. Yes. And it has all kinds of advantages to hang out with him. (laughs) Ah. How can we become those who love like Jesus loves if we run from difficult situations? God is affording us an opportunity to love in a greater way. But if you run away, knowing that Loving like Jesus loves. Sometimes we run away even though we know that it's the proof of, of our discipleship. It's the proof of our discipleship that we love like Jesus loves. I love you. I do love you. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Even if they paid me half a million dollars. Oh, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. We have to make a deal. Then I would tell them, I'll go there for a year, then I'll bring the money over here. How's that? Let's stand.